0: Welcome to this week's Hotel Analyst podcast, your 20 minutes or so of weekly update from the hotel investment space, uh, brought to you by, on my left, Andrew Sangster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst, and by me, Chris Bound, the editor at Hotel Analyst. And this week we're going to start by taking a look at a couple of developments in the online digital space, uh, the first of which is uh, well, what appears on the face of it to be good news for hotels because Google has said that they're going to offer a kind of free link through to um, the hotel websites to improve direct bookings. Um, well, as with everything Google get, has its hand on, it may seem generous at the beginning, but perhaps a little less generous when you think it through. Uh, and then the other, uh, the other end of the scale, we've got a rather interesting development where an online travel agent. Um, this time Kayak, which is part of Booking Holdings, has actually bought a hotel and is opening its own hotel and they're going to be using it as a test bed for all sorts of digital innovations they have. They want to try on their guests. So uh, we've spoken to a few people about the Google thing, uh, yeah, great news they say. Uh, Google says that this is going to make it easier for uh, you, the consumer when you're looking on Google, it's going to make it easier for you to book a hotel room. And of course, they're all about making the customer journey easier and uh, and quicker and more simple. Uh, but of course, uh, the cynics have pointed out that actually uh, a lot of the clicks anyway are to the adverts that are above the first organic listings on the Google homepage when you do a search. And, um, and it actually in the long term, this is probably going to just feed through to higher advertising rates and help return Google's revenues to levels they might have been before the pandemic drove them down. So Andreas as ever, giving with one hand, taking with another. Good old Google?
1: Uh, yeah, well. It's interesting. I remember there was a a hotel conference a couple of years back where uh, Google were described as the Sith Lords. And that's probably not a a bad analogy, to be honest with you. But to be fair to them, they actually want a competitive market because it suits their needs very well. The last thing they want is the market to be uh, sewn up by a couple of OTAs. They want to give a helping hand to... um, people or companies which are combating OTAs or at least in the market against OTAs because they need a multitude of buyers um, and that nice fragmented market enables them to Charge a bit more money and and stop anybody getting control um, and not pay so much money. Um, and if anything, the OTAs are are rebelling against Google. They had a record spend in 2019, 11 billion US. The two main ones, Expedia and Booking Holding spent 11 billion US um, on on performance marketing or marketing in general. We should say sales and marketing. Nearly all of which is in uh, performance marketing and performance marketing and nearly all of that is with Google. So w- w- the best part of 10 billion um, would have gone to Google. Now this year, not surprisingly, that spend has dropped. Um, it was higher than I thought it was going to be actually, mm. I have to say. The spend by the two OTAs was down 60% on that 11 billion to a, you know, to a still pretty substantial uh, four, 4 billion or so mm. uh, being spent. Um, both OTAs are saying we are going to reduce our dependence on Google. They are signaling loudly that we don't want to be entirely reliant on Google. Um, we need to, to go beyond Google. And Google's responded by that. we saying, okay, well, you know we need to make this market as dynamic and as flexible as possible
0: and of course um, of course uh, airbnb hasn't helped because they've did they've said they're going to spend much less on uh, online marketing via yeah and more on branding to grow their brand yeah
1: they were never big spenders anyway they had a okay. little blip ahead. no they had a little blip ahead of the uh, ipo they spent uh, a billion or so um but uh, they they that they have never been big spenders on performance marketing, that's not their thing. I mean, their big advantage has been that people go uh, directly to the Airbnb website and that gave them an edge over the uh, traditional OTAs, which had to spend so much um, to attract people to actually come to their websites. Most people start their travel searches. um, If if you're booking online, they start their travel searches um, on Google Now this is good news but what's interesting and we've we've remarked on this before in this podcast in terms of this recovery is looking like it's favouring Book Direct Mm. rather than traditionally what we've always seen is OTAs making out like bandits during a difficult sales period. So far that does not appear to be the case. Now. The, the, the thing is you think well why is that because w- what we seen come back first is leisure mm. and leisure is is the, the where OTAs play 90% plus of their business comes comes from the leisure market um, and they are you know histor- have historically been dominant there and they have been winning um, against uh, hotel brand companies in three key areas I would suggest and this is um, Taken from a report that uh, analysts at Bernstein put out a week or so ago, and the three key areas are in terms of choice. Um, obviously, there's much bigger range of options on, you know, the likes of Expedia or Hotels.com or Booking.com than you'll ever find on Marriott. So that's a key area of weakness. The second area of weakness is the efficiency of the websites. Uh, Bernstein looked at how fast uh, Hotelier is hotel brand company websites were at responding and in most cases they were pretty dismal (laughs) um, and underperformed the OTAs not surprisingly given the the very big spends of of the OTAs on technology and given that that is where they sit in the market they are rated as technology companies you'd anticipate they would be a bit better at that interestingly um Accor and Premier Inn were among the best performers in terms of website responsiveness, according to Bernstein, mm. and Hilton were was about the worst. Now Hilton's performance was dreadful, they marked of 100, Hilton got a 9 out of 100. The OTAs were sort of generally in the 70 somethings and Premier Inn and Accor were in the 60 somethings. Not bad. Some of the poorer performing OTAs, and in fact, Premier Inn and Accor were better than some of the poorer performing um, OTAs. Expedia.com, for example, they beat. Mm. Um, so you know, good on them, actually. They're getting that right. Um, so that so it's an area they're beginning to get a little bit more competitive in. And the third area is the Most consumers see OTAs as being cheaper. They're offering better value than hoteliers, um, hotel brand Mm. um, websites. And that's actually wrong. The reality is hotels are now, if you go to brand.com website, again using data from the Bernstein report, um, they're 2 to 5% cheaper than if you go to an OTA for those same rooms. And the the discounts are even stronger at weekends, which is, is, of course, the peak leisure marketplace. So, my perception my my guess would be that this perception will be changed mm. um, as uh, the reality dawns on, on punters that actually you can get a better deal if you go to brand.com and hoteliers are working hard at encouraging um, this notion as well and, and reinforcing that and you've got a raft of other things which are helping hoteliers I think as we come out of this downturn in that um, the, the actual aspects of the hotel in terms of stuff like cleanliness in terms of how much you trust the brand uh, are more important than they've ever been so customers are likely to want to check out directly with the hotel and the good news here is that uh, which, is, which would be disastrous if it was the other way around but um, um, brand.com is seen as the best place to understand information about the specific hotel that you're wanting to book Mm. rather than through the OTA so they've got an advantage in this uncertainty piece that they can fix um, with um, brand.com and um, hoteliers have so this is this this is all generally looking pretty good I think Mm. um, and not so good from an OTA perspective. I mean, it is, I mean, Bernstein go on, I mean, Bernstein, you know, our equity analysts. Um, they're unusual in that they, the same set of analysts, look at OTA uh, stocks as well as hotel brand company stocks. Um, so, um, generally speaking, it's the sort of tech people that look at the, the OTA stocks, and it's the hotel real estate people that look at the, uh, the hotel stocks um, so it's interesting to see a set of analysts who just look you know bring the two together and know o- Bernstein's conclusions are that uh, the biggest market opportunities actually with hotel brand companies um, this isn't in the share price of hotel brand companies and I don't think the declines that are afoot um, and uh, uh, for OTAs uh, is in the OTA um, share price uh, Bernstein says the future for OTAs is one of slower growth and or diminishing margins. This can't be good. And I think what it, if, if Bernstein is right, what we've got coming I think is a re-rating of the OTAs as this hits home just how tough it's going to be for OTAs and the days of booking holdings being so much ahead of all the, the, the brand companies, hotel brand companies. Um, uh, will come to an end and indeed this will eventually catch up i think with airbnb which at the moment is the biggest in terms of the listings but and we've well we've spoken about our reservations with regard to um, airbnb before Um, but generally i think uh, if we look forward five to ten years it will be surprising to see that uh, hotel companies hotel brand companies are still so far behind the the top OTAs I think we're going to see them push up and the OTAs push down that's Bernstein's predictions and i I agree with them
0: and your comment earlier about uh, you know uh, the a lively market being good for Google reminds me a quick story um a few years back I was called called to have an audience with uh, Richard Solomons when he was CEO of uh, of Intercontinental, and um, you know, normally a very emollient sort, and uh, he gave us a kind of uh, uh, gently smiling um, explanation of what was what was going on in the business. Uh, he introduced some new chap called Keith Barr, who apparently was going to go to take his seat, and um, uh, ran through some of the updates in the company, including uh, how they were improving their uh, Intercontinental app, and. Um, I do remember at the end of the presentation I asked him some question about uh, why uh, you know why they were making so much fuss about developing this app and I just remember his the smile wiped from his, ta- his, his face his his teeth suddenly gritted and he and he said <laughs> it, it's to keep people off Google <laughs> so in, in his, in his world every intercontinental customer would be inside the app, inside the walled garden, and then only book from there. So there we go. That was uh, a few years back, but that's uh, the battle continues. <laughs> yes, yeah, unrealistic view I, I would
1: put forward. Um, most people are, you know, the, the new punters coming in, especially in the leisure market, and you've got to have, you've got to have activity on Google um, to drive them. Down the funnel, as the market here say.
0: Now let's look next at uh, what's going on in the UK uh, investment markets. Some uh, transaction volumes look like they're uh, heating up. Uh, the market's certainly well warming up, and uh, there's reckoned be about a billion pounds worth of hotel assets in play on the market at the moment. Um, three notable big portfolios um, in the works. Uh, One of which is uh, Project Horizon, a a portfolio of holiday inns being sold by Cerberus. Uh, The second is uh, Q Hotels, a portfolio being sold by uh, Apri Rose. And the third is a portfolio being offered uh, by Shiva Hotels, which is uh, all Hilton branded properties, uh, all but one of which are in London. Um, so a couple of interesting things we found out by speaking to those active in the market. Uh, so apart from the fact that obviously there's there's plenty of appetite for these portfolios, bids are in already on um, Project Horizon, and uh, I think it looks like it's going to be three or four private equity players uh, d- who will be chosen uh, from for the for the winning bidder. Um, but there's there's ending cheap debt, as most of the big banks are too busy dealing with. COVID-19 loans to want to take on any more business at the moment. And then for the, the latter two of those three portfolios, those they have uh, ground rent deals in place and uh, it's going to be an interesting test to see how keen or not buyers are on taking on uh, hotel portfolios lumbered by the uh, long term liability of a ground rent deal. You,
1: you had some great detail in your report, I thought, Chris, on the runners and riders <laughs> and those um, looking out for those, uh, chasing those, those well, portfolios. Well, thank so, you to um, my
0: uh, very solid sources, I have to say, <laughs> <laughs> who I won't reveal. <laughs> a,
1: no, li- listeners do, should go to the the website hotelanalyst.co.uk to, to check out Chris's story on that. Um, you also mentioned your story uh, about ground rents. Um, deloitte and the deloitte conference um a couple of years ago where they just over a couple of years ago where they warned um from the stage about ground rent deals and how they were looking a bit shaky um i actually going to a uh, to add to that is is a uh survey which deloitte does uh of um expectations amongst the investor crowd that they get turning up at that conference and they survey a hundred and well, in this particular this particular survey I'm about to quote 101 people figures they call them figures in international hospitality uh, 65% of whom are actually in the UK so it's less international more UK and a bit of bit of continental European I would suggest but what what is interesting is they've done this survey over the course of the pandemic, and we've now we've marked a sea change in that in, in terms of right at the top, the number two thing that uh, respondents are looking at is around this transaction piece, transactions and expansion. Um, that's just underneath cash flow, um, cash flow, and a whole host of other worrying things were were up beyond transactions. But it's quite clear now, people are moving into you know, what's next mm. mode. And it's kind of interesting if you look at the survey how expectations of when the recovery is coming has moved out. And uh, um, there's been two previous surveys um, and they were all both of those were predicting things to get better sooner. Um, now people have settled on the idea it's going to be at the 2023 until we get back or beyond before we get back to the previous peaks. Um, but despite, if you like, the, the news being worse in, in some ways the, the appetite for actually moving forward is, is now the strongest it's ever been. Um, and I would suggest that's because what we've, had, we've got is some certainty And I think it's the lack of certainty we had until last November when we finally had the vaccine news um, that, that, that that uncertainty meant that you know people were just unable to to move forward we can now move forward we have a sort of clear line of sight of course there is a lot of noise around right now I mean goodness me we've had quite a week or so of all nonsense around vaccines and all this kind of stuff but I, I, I think certainly in the UK and the us um, you can anticipate we are going to be by the summer it's going to be um, pretty much unlocked and business as usual probably a bit later than that in continental europe but that's you know we're talking a few months later and this is i mean it's tragic for a number of reasons and not the least of which is the the higher death toll that's now occurring in continental europe of course but but from a hotel transaction and hotel performance market that does push that back and that means that a lot of the the critical summer season in continental europe is going to going to be lost but nonetheless i think you know uh, you would be extremely an extreme pessimist to believe that this 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 lockdown uh, the lock set of lockdowns are going to carry on um into 2022 um we've got a an end point and we've got a the start of the recovery people can now get out there and start doing deals and that is um indeed what they are doing um and as you point out that the, the hold-ups we've got here is the uh, the lack of uh, debt that's, that, that's well, out that's, there. That's put, yeah, because there's plenty of
0: debt, it's just not cheap. Yeah. Cheaper,
1: cheaper debt, yeah, cheaper debt, yeah. Well, there's always, you know, you can always sell things, it's just a question of yeah, what yeah, price, quite. right? So, and so, you can always borrow yes. money,
0: it's just a um, question of what um, price. Okay. yes
1: <laughs> well yeah, maybe I <laughs> don't yes uh, I'm not sure they'll lend to anybody <laughs> uh, but, it's, uh, but uh, yeah um i, I think that the, the the debt scenario will... Sh- We'll shit. So it's going to be people who are prepared to do all equity deals, to take a risk, um, maybe get a bit of um, short-term financing, if necessary, at much higher prices that can be refinanced later. It's those sort of things which should come in. And as you say, there's a little bit of sorting out that needs to be done in terms of the, the ground rent stuff that's mm. out there.
0: To another market of uh, buildings with beds. Uh, we're going to have a quick look at the student accommodation landscape. Um, uh, wages. student accommodations had a bad 2020 um, rents had to be repaid to students who were prevented by law from attending their universities um, but the the interesting thing for me when i had a look at the the big three kind of listed uk listed uh, student accommodation providers the interesting thing to make for me was how little their portfolios had gone down in value because uh, the perception is that the market is so strong there is going to be plenty of demand in uh, coming years. There's a strong expectation that next academic year, life will be largely back to normal. Rents and occupancy levels will be largely back to historical norms. And um, so things seem fairly set for those who are in this marketplace. Mm.
1: Well, there's a strong parallels there in the other you know, with that other bit of operational real estate hotels. I mean, oh, so
0: there is. we've said the similarities
1: <laughs> across, <laughs> the similarities across operational real estate. Um, and w- one thing that caught my eye was the move of the, um, uh, managing director for UK and Ireland at IHG, Karen Kakana, um, moving from, from IHG to become the chief customer officer at the biggest, um, PBSA player, um, unite group. Um, at IHG um, um, he was looking after um, 50,000 rooms or so and is now taking over um, a portfolio of around 76,000 rooms Um, and and it's intriguing just how uh, how much um, overlap there is in terms of the skill sets you need to be running a a, a PBSA to be running hotels and indeed to be running um, residential so um, the predecessor at at Unite um, was John Blanchard, who's now gone to the residential landlord Granger, the listed residential landlord Granger, um, where he's going to be director of operations. And in fact, Unite itself, in the in in the presentation it gave to in, investors, um, noted just how much a lot of planning now involves mixed use. PBSA schemes and build to rent projects. Something, no doubt. John Blanchard's mm. going um, uh, to be keen to progress. So there is this this big overlap, and um, I mean, it, with branding is, is another area where actually I think the the where we are in, in terms of the hotel sector is is where. Uh, sectors like PBSA are heading in terms of creating a, a, um, a more coherent branding structure. and This really came through in Unite's rival Empiric um, and it's developing a brand called Hello mm. Student and it's putting a lot of money, it's putting money and it lists on, on its own um, investor presentation where it's putting the cash, it's putting it into the website into ESG initiatives into data analytics and into customer service, now these are all things which you know any hotel company will be very familiar with um, I think possibly interestingly ESG is probably slightly higher with the uh, um, the student crowd than it is with the hotel crowd possibly because mm-hmm. of the demographics of the customer base but um, that side I think there's a there's a lot of alignment in it um you know and there is this almost a cut and paste you could do and on, on the in 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 terms of the the presentation and empiric is is doing what a lot of um Hotel brand companies have had to do. IHG, for example, um, has had to tidy up its portfolio. And at Empiric, they've got 37 sites which are are meeting its Hello Student specifications. 15 it needs to sort of get up to spec. 23 which are sort of unbranded or um, at some stage might be repositioned, and 20 which are being flogged off. Um, this again sounds so much like you know, a hotel company sorting itself out and tidying up its, its branded portfolio. These are all sort of shared interests and concerns across, and it's not surprising that we are seeing so many um, execs flitting between these different verticals within operational real estate, because there is so much overlap. And that, now
0: let's turn to our five-star and no-star awards this week. Uh, and I think it's not so much five stars, five crowns. Isn't it, Andrew? This week you're giving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, one, one one crown. I think
1: it's, it's uh, a. <laughs> Prince Charles. So Prince Charles gave. Uh, he did a sort of video um, message, actually, um, of support and admiration to the hospitality industry. This was for the the Master in Holders event. He did this uh, last week, and I um, mean, it's good to see. I mean, it it, it it is a further recognition, I think, that the hospitality sector is is. You know, It's not being forgotten in this and now well, there's a lot of things where we could argue it has been forgotten in terms of how they've treated us with lockdowns etc etc but um, it, it, the status or I think of hospitality has really been raised uh, um, in this process um, it seems to me that people at all levels of government and um, um, I, I guess it's the highest possible level of government um, you're talking about in terms mm. of the royal family um, but um, um, certainly, one in terms of head of state, I guess, rather than government. Um, but um, that recognition is coming through now, um, and that, that's testament to what uh, you know some of our lobbyists are doing. Our, our point to the success of kate nichols um at uk hospitality in particular how strong she has been how strong a voice she has been for our industry um so it's great it's great to see this coming through and it's and it's you know it is indeed uh, five stars for his, his
0: and then to the our no star award which is for the uh, this week is for the shambles of uh, overseas travel arrangements or not <laughs> oh yeah
1: uh, this you know um, um it's shocking really um, just how poor the communication is and how confused it is no, it's understandable um, um <laughs> at, at one level but really um, um there ought to be there is a need for some real coherence now i'm hoping um that we're gonna see and um, you know uh, this sort of the the vaccine side of our government in the uk rather than the say we say the, the track and trace side of our government in the uk uh, coming to the fore on april the 12th when they're supposed to tell us what the future is going to be for travel um and how much or not we're going to have unlocked on the 17th of May when they're saying, you know, that's going to be the first data which you can actually start travelling overseas. Um, I am slightly, you know, perturbed by the degree of authoritarianism which our
0: our, uh, government is adopting. There is thousands of pounds in fines if you go... It's ridiculous. if you dare to fly something, if yeah,
1: you yeah, don't yeah. say, but yeah, I mean, you know, this isn't top of the what? Um, was it ten years? Threat of jail if you if you <laughs> fill in your form wrong and quarantine. I mean, it's just getting it's getting mad. I mean, that needs to calm down a little. I just this this disproportionate response. I mean, it's, it's always one of those things. Uh, in first aid, they they always say to you, those who shout loudest are probably the the ones you attend to. It's the quiet ones you need to look after first because they're the ones in the biggest trouble and and these shouty people i think've we've, we've currently got in government with all these big threats i think shows the degree of impotence they have um, um, in terms of control and they need to calm down a bit and start uh, and start <laughs> being quiet and doing things properly um which you know which kate bingham who got the vaccine uh, task force together now left the vaccine task force job well done uh, we need a bit more of that sort of um, approach um in 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 the government rather than this, um, you know, this heavy-handed threats and confusion we're seeing coming coming across. So definitely no stars. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i picking on the UK government here, but I think this well, is I, you know, true I, across I, Europe. I've and read
0: in read and this morning um, that apparently the German government is recommending their people not to travel abroad. But they are still allowing them to do so. And in fact, uh, plane loads of Germans are off to the Balearic Islands, <laughs> where the Spaniards are welcoming them with open arms. Um, for their, their dose of sun, and uh, they're not being quarantined or uh, when they get back, so um, it's it's no, all a bit bonkers
1: no, no. well uh, this yes, it needs to be sorted out. I mean, I think the key th- message in in terms of planning here is um I think we're gonna have a bumper. Um, domestic tourism season throughout uh, Northern Europe because there's so much confusion it's going to be so difficult to travel overseas regardless of whatever happens I think um, so many people in, I mean I've already written off I certainly wouldn't be prepared to take the family overseas this year it's just it, it's just too confused and too tricky and the last thing you want to do is come back into the country and risk having 10 years in the neck for not <laughs> filling in your form
0: and properly. on that happy note <laughs> we'll wish you bye for now Oh,